What's going on people? It's your boy Izzy and welcome to another episode of Speak Your Truth with myself. Uh, we have an amazing, an amazing episode lined up today. The reason why I personally think it's amazing is because we're about to hear some uh, conversation, perspectives, opinions that we don't generally talk about, um, but we definitely think about them. So without further ado, Please welcome the one and only, my good friend, Rosemary. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Thank you, firstly, for, for coming on. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have. But, unfortunately, not that many people know who you are. So, why don't you give a quick elevator pitch as to who you are, what you yeah. do, and all of that stuff. Um, so my name is Rosemary Gomez, I'm a Christian, um, I work as a clinical psychologist, so I'm uh, an expert witness for the family court, so I'm mainly in private practice doing expert witness work and I have a, a caseload of private therapy clients, I also do a little bit of NHS work working with parents with mental health difficulties. Um, I'm a stand-up comedian, so I'm on the open mic comedy circuit in London and outside of London if, if there are gigs going. I don't, know, <laughs> don't know who's listening. I travel. I like to travel. Love I like that. to tell jokes and travel. So I do stand-up comedy and I attend the same church as you, Izzy. I'm a Christian at CC Spitz um, and I'm involved in a few roles there. Um, I, I'm i kind of giving the full story I actually feel no, like I'm no. trotting out my CV here but I, the reason I'm giving it is just to say these are some of the things that I think I might draw on as I speak about what right. we're going to talk about but I'm actually not talking in that capacity like as a psychologist or as a comedian I'm no, talking no. as Rosemary talking to my friend Izzy yeah. but um, the the issue of gender ratios is quite interesting because in, in psychology for example it's a very female profession it's mm. majority female but the, the field of comedy is the opposite it's majority male mm. so I have experience of gender ratios in other places than the church and then obviously in the church um i've got the experience of gender ratios there so i can kind of bring some of what i've observed and learned yeah love that love that well thanks for that intro just one more thing before we actually get into it um your last name is gomez gomez yeah well like give, give us a quick uh like wow what, so what are por- you it, so it's portuguese it's so actually that that's a, that's a good point so i'm from a catholic background originally so that's like my portuguese catholic background bit so my family are from bangladesh mm. um so that yeah so we're from a a small kind of a well, Portuguese Catholic community within Bangladesh. So my parents, uh, well, my dad mainly grew up in London and my mum uh, grew, grew up there until she married my dad. So yes, that's my um, ethnic background. Okay. I love that. Um, cool. So as you briefly mentioned during your intro, we are going to talk about gender ratio in the church and that will, I'm sure, lead into different things as well. Um, but yeah, the, the reason why I, I would love to kind of speak about this is that it's so clear that there is a an imbalance, right, between men who regularly attend the church and women who regularly attend the church. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I would love to kind of start with just an open question, you know. Why do you think, fundamentally, there is this massive gap between uh, genders in, in, in the church and, and who regularly goes? 
I think there's several reasons and these reasons kind of connect with each other so it's difficult to disentangle. I would say a big reason is spiritual. I think there's a spiritual battle underpinning why we end up with an imbalance. Mm. I think as as Christians we, we're fighting things we can't see a lot of the time. Uh, we believe in a spirit world underneath the, the world that we can see and, and feel and I, and I feel that um, to have equal numbers of men and women so mm-hmm. that church family can really grow and flourish um, would be something that c- can come under battle, would be something that we would have to fight for as Christians. Yeah. So I think there's a, a spiritual aspect. I also think there's a practical aspect right. in the way that um, churches present themselves and kind of develop as, as communities. I would say the gender ratio issue, I, I so I was raised Catholic, as I was saying, yeah. in the Catholic church that I was growing up in, we didn't have the imbalance, we had equal numbers. Interesting. So I I was um, I was trying to think about this. The, it was a family church, so it was families, but it was mainly um, a mum and a dad and children, and we had a lot of older couples. So we didn't have... It wasn't like C.C. Spitz and that there were lots of young people. Well, there were children. I was a child growing up, yeah, and there were teenagers. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like a whole section of... Singles. No, no, I don't. Unless they went, we had a different service. Possibly they went. Obviously, I was a child, and I'm trying to remember. But I don't. To to my recollection, I don't think we we didn't have it. And the other thing I would point out is other churches. So, so that's the Catholic Church in the Protestant tradition. uh, When you go to the conservative evangelical churches, they tend to have more equal numbers of men and women. Mm. So I would say some of the gender ratio issues we're seeing in in our sort of type of church, they don't exist across the body of Christ. Interesting. And I think that is to do with different roles and different expectations and what ends up being focused on um, in, in, in church. Yeah, no, no. That I think I think you know you you bring upon very, very interesting um, uh, factors to the table. I think one factor that that is sometimes overlooked is um, the activities that a church presents to the culture. If you look at culture and what exists there in terms of what people partake in, and then you compare that to the activities that the church offers yeah there is a there's an imbalance yeah. In, yeah. in in that sense and i i feel like a lot of the men are just not drawn to what the church is nowadays right a little bit absolutely i think there can be a real mismatch between what is happening outside of the church and what is happening in the church i think there are lots of issues that are affecting men who don't go to well actually i think they affect men in the church as well so certainly in my work as a psychologist i think male mental health and all the issues around that um there's there's a real um almost like mental health crisis, I would say, with men. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The, the male suicide rate in this country is pretty appalling. It's mm. a bigger killer than heart attacks mm. for a certain age group of men. And uh, I, I would say, kind of working within my field, we're not reaching them. We're not, we're right. not uh, doing nearly enough. And we, right. and we don't really know why. Well, then, well then let's, yeah, let, let's hop into that. What, how, how do you think we can address this, this issue? So... I think we need to be able to provide interventions that kind of match what men are looking for. Um, I think there can be some kind of, um, how do I say it, like cultural expectations of what a man should be. And sometimes the men that end up struggling with anxiety or depression or mental health conditions that can lead to feeling suicidal, I think they internalize that they haven't met the expectation they haven't met the standard Mm. i think they're probably less likely to reach out to a mental health professional or for some type of a 
um, I want to say intervention, I don't want to say the word support because I think sometimes the word even support or help can be feminising, so I'm trying 100%. to be careful with what I'm saying. Um, but, but the sort of thing you might uh, connect with in a crisis, I don't think we're quite providing it in the way that men would. I yeah. think that's a two-way thing. I think it's partly what the mental health professions are providing. I think it's also partly men not wanting to... Um, have that conversation yeah. I, I would say um, I, well actually to be fair I have got gender balance in my private caseload I would say I see kind of equal numbers of men and women but the, the stereotype would be that men don't like to talk I don't think that's true I, I yeah so now it's getting interesting yeah. because I, this is something I was thinking about um, part of my reason why I claimed that or still maybe claim that the church has been feminised is because they do put a lot of emphasis on like, yeah, support, caring, and also fundamentally talking. I do agree that, um, yeah, men, they, they do actually like talking, but it takes a longer time to get to that stage. Yeah, in yeah, terms of, I agree. F- uh, for females, and again, this, this could sound controversial. I feel like for females, it's easier to kind of form a connection based on talking in a quicker way. Whereas with men, we like to do activities first um, and then form a type of bond based on that activity that will then lead to us wanting to talk with each other. So when you come to church, for example, you do the service and then it's community time mm. and like people are forced to talk with each other. What you'll find is that men will be less open in those yes. situations yeah. than women will be. And it's because yeah, for us men, like there is that barrier right? that, that needs to be brought down first before we're able to really say our opinions and how we actually feel about things which again that's one of my ways of um uh yeah breaking down the walls that the church has set in order to bring more people in um so yeah so making it more activity based some of that that's what i think outside of service um group things needs to be more of a activity only because, yeah, from from my experience, from talking to my friends, like they they're not they're, they're just not gonna open up straight away, mm, you know. Yeah. But I I do agree. There's there should be a place for that. Um, and then and then that got me thinking as well. Obviously, we talked a lot about the men, but even this imbalance still affects women as well when it comes to their romantic uh, life, right? Yeah. Because of this imbalance, naturally, it's gonna be harder for a woman to find a romantic partner. So, how do you kind of feel about yes, just that realization? Yeah. So- I see it as a justice issue. I think it should be kind of fair that both men and women have equal options to either stay single or to date or to marry or to marry and have children. And I think if you're Christian and you want to have a spouse that is also Christian, I think essentially what we're saying with the gender ratios in particular types of churches, you're saying men could choose to marry or date and actually women can't unless they go outside of their faith and outside of the church. Uh, because there are plenty of men, they're just not Christian. That's, not, that's, yeah, yeah. that's kind of the, the issue. So um, I'm not saying everyone should get married or everyone should date. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying people should have equality of choice in order to have equality of outcomes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I think so that's... that's... that's so I, I don't want it to be misheard as <laughs> no. that. Because I think also people have very valid reasons for not dating for a time or not wanting to be married for a time or whatever. But it's it's more... 
um, I think what we end up seeing are people who have forced singleness Mm. and that ends up being more of a female issue Um, and I don't see the same uh, for men because as you say with the ratios we're working with a man could I I can see sometimes a man has like five girls to pick from or ten girls to pick from if I'm honest if you go to certain things that our church puts on you can often see one man sitting with seven ladies (laughs) (laughs) and you must have seen that I've been there yeah you've been that man I've I've been a man that you just described exactly and it's not um, it's not comfortable for anyone really like (laughs) nobody's enjoying that Yeah. yeah I would also say um there's there's a difference in um, those of us who are going to church and those of us who are working, well, people who are working in the church. So there, the gender ratio issue might be worth mentioning. So a lot of the people that are working in the church or paid leadership in churches, certainly the higher positions, they tend to be married men. Mm. But then if you think of the demographic of the majority of the churches is single women, mm. um, not... I'm not saying like such a massive majority. I think if we break the data down, we do have um, some married women, we do have men, we've got single men, married men. Yeah. But um, th- there is that difference in um, viewpoints. So uh, I think we would both agree men and women are different. And 100%. single and married people have different things going on in their life stages. Facts. So if you've got leadership that is married male and then you've got a congregation demographic that is unmarried female Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's going to be a difference in maybe priorities um things that you would like to see in the preaching and teaching things that you would want there to be a focus on yeah and um certainly from conversations with other christians uh christian women um that the the issue around you know men and women we have different bodies and so for women often you have to think about marriage and children at an earlier time in your life men don't have the same um kind of uh, i don't want to say as a pressure but you do have to think a bit more about getting getting things lined up in terms of your job your housing yeah. your your relationships and yeah. so for, for say if you're a married man leading a church you may not always have the the view of that whereas you might just think oh these women are being really neurotic i think they should just pray <laughs> <laughs> you need to wait on god but actually women are getting older as they're waiting for church culture to change yeah and then they they can pass the age where they can physically have children and that 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 is a story that is told by a lot of women they haven't been able to to marry someone christian and i've i've seen some women leave the church for not just that reason but that's a a factor that can lead to a decision or um quite quite often it can be that they would uh then uh, marry a non-believer and they end up in a in a sort of different situation from what they would have wanted yeah 100% 100% you said a lot in there right and like a, a lot of, of, of wisdom as well and a lot of um, revelation and realisation so I'm going to just unpack a couple of things yeah. because I think it's easy to brush over these things mm-hmm. and not really dissect them so one thing that we need to understand is there is this unfortunate element of compromisation that comes into the picture when there's an imbalance right between yeah. men and women so for the women I, I do you think that there will be a level of having to compromise firstly who they choose as a partner because of the limited options um, and also the time factor and then secondly do you think that that compromise will negatively affect 
their faith and how they view God for not feeling as though God has provided them with someone. Mm. So what do you think about that? I don't know. I don't know. I guess it must be different in different people's situations, right? Yeah. Uh, because I also think, you know, God is sovereign and God doesn't need the statistics to be in his favour. I think we see time and again in the Bible where the odds are stacked against the people of God mm. and God can bring a victory. And people all seem to have very different stories of relationships. And so I, d- I don't want to say... Uh, something blanket about like a blanket statement about oh I think everyone ends up having to compromise then I don't know I well, don't know how about but you I related do... to to yeah. yourself then do you so think I'm... like since since yeah. well with this whole the stats and what we've talked about looking back at your own romantic life has there been more of an element of compromising as life has gone on no, I don't. I don't think so. So I wouldn't date a non-Christian. I, I think that would be how I would view my faith. I don't think that that would be a good option for me. I know there are some people who would date non-Christians. Um, uh, I, yeah, no, I'm not really interested in in doing that. I think um, would it lead to kind of compromise? Are you, is this the thing, I, I don't really believe in this, but you know when people say, oh, they married up, or oh, they settled, do you mean that? Do you mean like li- going yes. for someone that's a little bit... So um, let's say, for example, in your, like in your not peak... not who you're looking for. In your like early 20s, yeah. mid-20s, you have your type, right? And you're like, oh, yeah. I'm not going to settle for nobody. I don't know if I've got a type. I don't know, do you have a type? I had one. So, uh, so this oh, is what, yes, so yeah, yeah. Like, this is where I'm going with it. Yeah, what, what, what I'm saying is, I feel like... The older you become, the more, A, that your type and your standard as to how you see yourself and how yeah. you see the mother of your children become, it changes, right? That's so right? interesting. So then I feel that when the, when uh, you're in a gender imbalanced church, as a woman, um, if in your in those early years you still haven't found, found someone, yeah, do you then look inwardly and think, okay, maybe I need to change what I'm looking for, or who yeah. I'm looking for, leading to you then yeah. settling. I, yeah, so I don't know if it's the same as settling, okay. but certainly when I spoke to lots of people, because I've talked about this with loads of other people, and some people have said to me that they ended up marrying someone who wasn't their type. Yes. And that was quite interesting. So it made me think, um, well, because they've got great marriage, it looks to me like they've got great marriages. They seem a good match. And they yeah. were just saying, oh, you know, you, you, people go into it, and they have this idea of a type, but then I met so and such a person, and yeah. actually this is a, this worked for us, or, you know, God was in this for us. So that did make me, uh, think more about not having a set idea and, and yeah it did lead to me going on dates with people that weren't my type mm. uh, so yes I think that's I think that's a really good point to be really open to as long as the person is um, a man and Christian you've got your basic things ticked and then you've got flexibility and freedom maybe you should think about um, dating uh, I think was it you did we talk about like what was it um like, some people might be put off by travel. <laughs> so, like, it's okay if she's local. <laughs> Probably not going to get a train for a first date or something. Like, oh I can't remember God. anyway. No, so, so maybe that's the kind of thing we need to think about. Okay, if, you, if you're going to be really open, maybe your ideal person is in a church in Scotland. <laughs> this is what I'm how, saying, How though. would you... So, like, yeah, so, I think so, so I we think do need to be open. That, that openness um, comes from realising that the odds aren't really stacked in my favour. In terms of this imbalance that we're seeing for yeah. um, 
Yeah, for, for, for females predominantly. Yeah. Do you mean your favour or my favour? Do you mean that you feel the odds are against you no, as well? As no, in, you mean me. Yes, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. so that yeah, forces you to be more favor. open Maybe in comparison to me because I have more options you could pick from 10. in my local church. Yeah, we've walked past 10 girls today. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, yeah. it's true, it's yeah, true. Yeah, I get it, I get it. Yes, so more open than I'd like to be yeah for sure like it feels like maybe the women have to work harder whereas a man can just walk into a morning service and buy coffee afterwards he's <laughs> got a date <laughs> is that yeah I can see that I, well, I don't know if that actually happens and I don't want to no, no, speak no. for men's experiences but po- well, potentially I, I that think, could happen I think and I think sometimes like whenever we are in a situation where where the odds are stacked against us God will create a situation that is in your best interest right so you know the fact that yeah, there are more men in the church uh, than... Sorry, there are more females in the church than males. Mm-hmm. Um, it forces you to not look at just the material um, side of, of someone or how they look. It forces you to really get to know someone and being open to knowing get someone. Get to know who is he? There's just not men the, to get to know. I think... But like, so, when you do, though, this is the yeah. thing. When you actually do, like you yes. actually spend time getting to know that person. Whereas for myself... Knowing that I have options, God, it, God, you I might not. I won't spend too much time on one person, knowing that if I don't feel the vibe from that first impression, wow. cool, on to the next. That's so interesting. So that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, you will get to know You'd someone for faster. who they really know. <laughs> I, I will, in your process. Yeah, this is not who I am, though. No, I'm no, just no, saying, I'm like, you from, I get it. Like, from a man's perspective, that's how it would be. Yeah. Um, Okay then. So and then... I think that's sorry. Just to add to that, I think there's a thing across age groups that might be interesting to think about. So it might be that twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. We might have to think about what gender ratios look like in each of those yeah. categories because that might also affect what we're saying. I agree. Um, so then there might be more choices in particular age brackets, and then maybe it's thinking. Okay, well, how big an age gap <laughs> would yeah. you tolerate? Maybe that's important for both men and women. Um, but I, I guess I, I sometimes feel like it, because it's more of a thing that maybe women are concerned about and we're not in, well, say if you don't work for the, I don't work for the church, um, then maybe it doesn't so much seem like a big priority because there's always things that church has to cover, right? Mm-hmm. You've got a pandemic to deal with, you've got to run a such and such, a you know, like a food bank or whatever, but maybe that it means that it's not seen as so big a problem because if you're a married man perhaps it's in your blind spot because it doesn't affect you yeah no i think that's a good point and kind of chucking in a, a question that we, that we didn't really prepare for but um you know what what do you think the church can do to help with how you view relationships and how you actually do prepare yourself for the right person when the opportunity comes because sometimes I think that there is a lack of teaching of relationships that when we actually do find ourselves with someone we don't know what to do absolutely (laughs) yeah so I think we need teaching and preaching about all of this Mm. so I think what I'm talking about falls into a much bigger thing Mm. of uh, the church being out of touch with what's happening outside of the church right. I think we've had a couple of generations where we've seen families break down we've seen families that have stayed together that still have massive issues yeah. and those affect Christians as well as non-Christians and I don't think I see enough acknowledgement of that in the church so where you've you've had um, divorce 
affairs, um, mental health problems, uh, the, the, the impact of poverty or financial difficulties, that sort of thing. Um, I don't think there's enough equipping within teaching and preaching for how all of those things affect uh, family, affect marriages, affect the parent-child relationship. Mm. Um, I would also say the church... Uh, this is my view I think the church needs to do much more to address the impact of pornography on the wider culture I think that is something that affects both men and women in terms of the impact of the fact that it's much more widespread than it than it's ever been I would say it's not a new issue but I've never seen well I've certainly never been in a church that I think addresses it to the extent of the impact of pornography in the wider culture yeah I would say with with smartphones it's much much more widespread but even before smartphones it was a secret hidden problem yeah and it affects uh men it affects how uh, well it affects women as well but it affects how men and women see each other and relate to each other i think it affects um your relationship with god actually before i started on all of that that's the main thing (laughs) i don't think christians uh view it as the sin against god and the stumbling block in their faith that it represents wow Again, a lot in that. I think the key word that you said there is culture. I think that sometimes the church is so out of touch yes, with what yeah, is going yeah, on yeah. in the culture absolutely, that absolutely. when it starts to do the teaching and the preaching, it's like relevant, but it's not. It it doesn't it doesn't really hit you on a Monday to Saturday. It's like relevant I for agree. that Sunday. So then I I think a way that the church can help people out a bit more, and even going back to the whole generation. Um, it can actually bring balance to that is by bringing in more topics that we can actually relate to Absolutely. from being in the culture. Yeah. I think yeah. another issue is that there's too many Christian bubbles forming. Yes. Right? And what I mean yeah. by that is there's too many Christians hanging out with just Christians. Yes, yeah. And then uh, can, that will affect you more than you think, right? Yeah. Because then your conversation starts to become only one dimension. I agree. And the church from well our church and the church that I've been to, majority of the congregation are working in the corporate setting, in yeah. the corporate mm-hmm. world. Yeah, I really where agree. They, they there is no Christian circle. Yes. So yeah. by having people in Christian circles talking to you about these yes. topics there is there isn't that, that I fit, right? really agree I feel that very strongly. So the people who are delivering the teaching and preaching uh, would be people that mainly work for the church and then you've got those of us who are trying to be equipped um who people just don't see our battle yeah and so it's that we're on the same team but we have different positions within the team yeah that's good. and we aren't communicating as team members and when you try and bring that feedback i don't think it you know it doesn't translate into a change mm. so that's that's where we need to be better as um church in joining the dots there because I don't feel like the examples that I'm given relate to what no. I'm doing in my life my, I'm exactly with you I'm I'm most of the time I'm with non-Christians and actually when I'm not in church for that hour on Sunday I'm living within a culture that is not following <laughs> yeah. God yeah so how how, how can, can you be equipped, equipped? yes exactly yeah. And, yeah. And, and the reason why I think this is such an important important conversations is because we don't see the behind the scenes of the church Right, it's only the people who are working in the church that do the whole behind the scenes. So then, my question becomes: How involved should the church allow its congregation in terms of the behind the scenes, in terms of how the church is run, in terms of the content yeah. that is chosen between Sundays and and life groups and whatever it is midweeks? 
Um, how how involved do you think the people who don't work for the church should actually be when it comes to the these decisions. So I think, you know, we read in, uh, you know, Paul's letters about the gifts of the Spirit being distributed across the church. And yeah. I think the Holy Spirit equips different people in the church with different giftings. And that includes teaching and preaching. It includes, um, you know, caring for others, hospitality, all of these different things. And so th- this is where I also think, I don't know if this is necessarily related to the gender ratios, but I think it is related to... Um, people in church not taking responsibility mm. and and taking their full place within the body of Christ as God has purposed for, for people. Right, I right. think there needs to be a recognition of the yeah. gifts being distributed and if if this person is teaching, if this person is preaching and, and allowing allowing um, people to come in on Sunday and not just sit there as passive spectators yeah. but to actually be active um, w- within the life of the church so a- again I think that's about uh, working as a team so if some people are being paid by the church they they you know they have a role but then there's also the majority of us aren't working for the church mm. but we're also called to live as Christians what are our roles how you know what's God saying what's the team that God is building together because ultimately we've got our ideas but God is the head of the church yeah no that's 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 so true and uh, you know something that you said is that we all have a part to play yes yes the issue is not many people recognize that now is that uh, an issue of the individual or does the church come into that in terms of not recognizing how important everyone has a part to play no matter if you're just serving on a sunday or if you're part of the kids scene it's like no even beyond that you bring something to the table Yes, but yeah. not many people know it because of the whole responsibility. I think, I think right? it's both. Right. I think it's both. I think it's um, something that Christians need to take responsibility for are when they're drifting in and out of churches. So mm. where I've been on um, welcome team in our church in the past, what I've noticed that a lot, you know, these people aren't non-believers. A lot of them are from Christian backgrounds, but they go from one church to the next to the next, and maybe they don't settle. And I think that's a combination. I think that's a combination of what they're bringing and what the church is bringing, and where that connects or doesn't connect. Yeah. But there, there seems to be to me something about Christians taking the responsibility for being rooted and grounded in a community and then living God's purpose and plan for their life within that. But there's also got to be the church providing that, that people can do that. 100%. And I think there can be a mismatch in maybe what uh, people who work for the church think of as Christian priorities and maybe what those of us who don't work for the church see as priorities. So, so true, so true. So there are lots of things that I think, uh, because of my faith, are really important, but um, I don't ever hear spoken of in church and then, and then, a question that I, I think should everyone should ask themselves, who claims to be a Christian as a regular churchgoer, is why do you go to church? I think sometimes it's so easy for church to just be a Sunday thing, um, that it just becomes a routine or a habit. Even like the older you get, you know, I know certain families only go to church to keep it together, you know. So mm. my, my my question then becomes, okay, why why do you go to church? And does the church do a good job in? helping you find that answer for mm-hmm. yourself yeah um because i think the more we start asking these questions and the more we can truly see and recognize the importance of a you know what the church plays in culture and then b how i can help in that mm-hmm. the quicker we can see more people relating to the topics said in church mm-hmm. um we can relate to we can see a pattern between okay 
Church talks about this and I can use that in my day-to-day struggle of life. So I think, yeah, um, I think that there that, that should be more of a conversation as to why church is important. So I, I am of the view that the Western church is lukewarm. I don't think that, and I would count our church as Western, so we are not being persecuted. So we are more lukewarm in our priorities. So I think the reason why we go to church is possibly for ourselves so out of habit for a bit of comfort maybe a spiritual shot in the arm before we go back to living as we like <laughs> for the, the next six days right. and I think it, it can sometimes be uh, more religious than we'd like to think yes. more a thing that we do on autopilot than we would like to acknowledge and and that sort of breeds a passivity which kind of indirectly I think is part of what we're saying about gender ratios I think there possibly maybe women tolerate that more than men mm. so that kind of level of passivity just sitting through a service without really participating being called to action if if even in the sermon there aren't practical go home takeaway points what am I here for yeah. do you know like wow. is my life actually going to be changed and I think that is really different from what we see in parts of the world where the church is under persecution where you could literally lose your life for being a Christian I think you see the church grow surprisingly under those conditions we don't like to hear that we don't like to hear that that's how church grows we like to hear what we say in the western church of well here's our strategy here's our powerpoint let's grow the church (laughs) but if you look at the stats globally that's not what uh, what what happens Um, I think people go to church for comfort uh, and that's kind of upheld with the stats around attendance at Christmas and Easter people that don't normally go to church like a shot of comfort at those times so again it's that thing of you're not really going to commune with God and you're not going to get your life changed but you would roughly identify as Christian yeah and I think that's not what God is calling people to and I don't think that's what God is calling communities to yeah I think I think I think there's a fear attached to it really a fear of it's is the Bible relevant now or a fear of um is my faith you know relevant to to culture I I think that leads to a compromise that's why this lukewarmness is being seen in the church today and rather than it having the opposite effect as the uh, as these leaders think it would have of bringing in more people it's having it's, it's still like the church race still going down so then what i'm saying is i i believe that we need to get out of this idea that we can dictate who how the church is going to grow how the congregation needs to live and just like go back to the basics you know like what does the bible say um, am I interpreting it in the right way? How am I talking about it? How am I teaching it? Rather than this is what I think someone might like to hear. Maybe going directly back to what Jesus says about what it means to follow him. And actually his messages made people pretty uncomfortable at the time. He would often be preaching to crowds and they were drawn by the power and authority in his voice. But lots of them walked away. You know, when he first said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, they didn't know about communion. Mm -hmm. It was really a controversial thing to say and people didn't really understand it. And people found it offensive. Mm. So the words of Jesus are offensive. Mm. And I think it, it kind of divides you in two, doesn't it? There's a part of you that is like, I do want to do this I think this is the right thing there's another part of us and I think it's all of us that feel you know it's too hard I would rather be comfortable actually yeah and so part of what we're saying about the lukewarm culture I think that just comes down to as individuals there's something in us that 
rebels against God. We yeah. fight it. There's a part that just wants to live for our own selves. Mm-hmm. And Jesus has literally called us to die to that. Mm-hmm. Do do we speak about that often enough as a position? You know, do we preach that 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 following God means dying to self? It means not having a selfish way of getting through life. No, hundred percent. Just to like bring the other fact and the other counter to, to, to what we've been talking about. I think sometimes we place too much emphasis on church to help us in our faith. I think church mm. definitely has its place in um, yeah, helping us with our faith, helping us understand God and Jesus a lot more. But we should never rely yeah. on the church for the relationship that we have with God. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, uh, yeah, my argument is... Do you think that people, Christians, even like the majority of the females, do you think that they place too much emphasis on the church um, in comparison to how it should be in terms of the individual needs to Mm. do their own bit? I think it's both. I think you need the community, you need people around you uh, because what you're doing together is building God's kingdom and that is a corporate thing. But I think alongside that, what happens on the inside, what happens in the secret place, your own personal walk with God, Mm. that needs to be protected and cultivated and that's daily. Mm. Um, How much are people prioritising that given that the lives we're living, so a lot of us, you know, we're talking about working, a, a good chunk of time is taken up with that and then you've got to, you know, do do your daily life. How much time do you spend a day with God? How much space are you carving out to hear His voice, mm. um, and and to develop that in a in a meaningful way, rather than a um, oh I'm in a bit of a crisis. I better send a prayer request up <laughs> sort of way. Yeah. You know? yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So yeah, I think you're right. I think it's, there is a balance. I think the church equips, and I think we should use that equipping. Uh, on on a more day-to-day and personal basis um so yeah i i think i think we've done a quite good job in 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 talking about the church and the place that uh, it has in society just kind of round off a little bit um we've seen as we mentioned the attendance rate has dramatically decreased um now compared to 100 years ago Mm -hmm. um let's 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 unpack that a little bit why do you think that is? Um, I think we've touched on it a bit where the teaching and preaching and content doesn't quite map onto what is actually happening and people feel that it's irrelevant. I don't think they think God is irrelevant. I think people are really curious about God. I think yeah. people are really spiritually hungry. Yeah. But when they've come to church, they're leaving hungry. Mm. I don't think we're meeting people at that point. And it's a little like what you were saying about the socialising aspect. I think sometimes we have this idea that if we're really friendly, really nice and really welcoming, that's what draws people to church. And I think it does. I think for some people that is very important. You've had people who are who are very lonely and coming out of really awful situations. Mm. They do need a warm welcome. Mm. Um, but I think there's there's a reason people are coming to church and not like a social group. They're they're hungry yeah. for something that's true. I don't think we're always doing a good job of presenting that in the raw. Mm. Just give us God. Mm. Just you know, let's not let's not do all the extra stuff. Let's just let's just do pure worship. Let's do let's let's have a message and we don't have to like do very much with it let's let's just hear what it is and let it sink yeah 
Yeah. I think even having a moment of silence is good <laughs> in, a, in a church. And I don't think some of even allow that. You know, yeah. sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks in the silences. Just yeah. give us a gap. Yeah. Let us sit still. Be still and know that I am God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just know God. God is here. We can trust that. Let's not try and um, manufacture an experience of God. Let's let God be God. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Everyone is curious about God everyone yeah, there's there, yeah. I, there is no one that isn't curious and the reason is because we're all made an image of god right mm-hmm. so we all have this this innate sense of godliness within us that makes us curious and want to find out more so then now the question then becomes okay how can the church present that in a way that a keeps them even more curious but then also b answers that curiosity right and hey you could argue that the decline in the hundred years is because we haven't done a good job in presenting those answers. Yeah, right? yeah, I agree with that. So yeah, I think I think that's a that that's one of the reasons why it has decreased. So then the final question becomes: Okay, how can we bring it back up? So you, so I think you... just in what we're saying, yeah. I think we need to work on our content and. Um, some of the things that I think churches can feel nervous about addressing, people people are getting loads of content on. So, you know, if we're talking about sex and relationships, we're talking about marriage and families. Um, people love that kind of thing. Mm. People are watching that all day long on Netflix and all sorts of things. Yeah. And there's there's lots of things around that on social media. But the church is silent. Mm. So people are noticing, OK, well, why aren't we speaking into the culture? I feel the church is called to be a prophetic witness to a world that is dying and where is our voice where is our direction where's our vision I think there isn't enough boldness and enough courage uh, moral courage actually Mm, in mm. just saying actually this is what what we think God is saying here Um, and people are people are hungry to hear that and I think we we're worried that will scare people off Mm -hmm. and actually I think people want the challenge Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, people know that it's hard but they need they need to hear that you need to be very clear about what it is uh, Jesus is saying Hundred percent. I, I think the standard is high. I think the standard is really high. I think Christians sometimes sell that short. Yeah. I think they don't live up to that standard, so yeah. they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So um, then they compromise. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. and then also if you, if you think about it, and someone said this to me um, during the BLM period, yeah, that the church was reactive rather than proactive. Yeah. And I feel like that's what we're seeing now. I, I feel like the church will talk into the issues of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, once it's happened yes and, yeah. I, and I think that's the issue that we're seeing right? yes because it's the same with relationships as well relationships yeah. um w- whenever injustice happens around the world yes. that's when we want to talk yes, about injustice i agree and it's like no throughout the bible yes injustice has been a, a, a topic yeah. so yeah. Then why are we waiting for something to happen absolutely to then address it, right? i agree so i think that proactive versus reactive battle needs to be definitely addressed. i think it's about seeking god for his plans for his blueprint because i think if we were all seeking god corporately and individually we would be ahead of the curve wow. i think god is a risk-taking adventurous god and i think we, we well we sort of water it down we dumb it down yeah. and we make it a, this human version of yeah, it yeah yeah and so we're only selling our own content and actually God's got great content. So, so true. let's take risks with that. But I think it means stepping out and often like we were talking about kind of the lukewarm church and the comfort zone. I think people aren't always prepared to, to do that kind of individually oh. and as groups, as communities. I think we end up uh, doing, you know, this is my routine on Sunday. I'll go to my church group in the week. Then I go back on Sunday and I'm living my life. Monday to Friday. Yeah, it, it, it's as though some people believe that they cannot 
um, comprehend God's plans for them. The, the, it's like when God will give you a pure vision because of how we've been affected by culture, we think, oh, no, I could never do that. So then they'll dumb it down into this like bite-sizedness. And then, okay, this is what God meant. When it's like, no, he gave you this plan to reach millions of people, but because you're scared or because you think that you are fragile, you, you, you want to dumb it down to just, okay, I'm going to reach 10, 15 people. And I think that's what we're seeing in these churches, right? Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that there's a lot that, that we can do. I think having a conversation that we're doing now and posting out public is like a good step in the right direction. We just need to see more people doing it. Mm, absolutely. I think there can be a thing of um, maybe people feel that they failed or they've compromised and then they're out of the game. And again, I think it's about remembering that Jesus brings forgiveness, that Jesus brings a second chance and that restoration and healing that's available. Like it is supernatural. It mm. can be good as new and better than new. Mm. And I think we need to be... Um, living that we need to be speaking of that as well perhaps that's why people feel scared off their vision so you might have come off track that doesn't mean you can't come back on track and again we need each other to do that yeah yeah we need to speak into each other's lives yeah and really uh, affirm you know what god is saying and that goes back to all spiritual gifts right we all have a part to play yeah um cool well you know, I, I think we've pretty much touched upon everything. Is that it? Is that all I, I think, Yeah, I think, yeah. I think we had a good conversation as well. I, I, I was going to ask to kind of like round off. Again, it's a bit like off script, but um, if you could maybe offer some advice or wisdom or even challenge to the church leaders out there who, who may be listening to this, um, what would you what would you say to them? I think, like with all of us as Christians, we often just have to go back to basics in our faith and kind of not be afraid of the challenge there. I think as time goes on, we can kind of drift from the words of Jesus, but actually it's it's still there, you know, in black and white, like the call that, that is on our lives. Um, I, I think sometimes we... we <laughs> we don't necessarily need it dumbed down. I think if you put a challenge out there, people will meet that challenge, yeah. do you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think it scares people off. In fact, I think it, it builds your team. Mm. Um, I think some of the things we've touched on today around relationships and, and you know, maybe that, that covers things that are really difficult to talk about in church, maybe divorce or mm. sex or, you know, how men and women relate, gender roles. I think those are really complicated and perhaps church wants to stay, steer clear of something that's controversial but that doesn't mean we're not talking that doesn't mean we're getting input you know we're getting input from other places from yeah and actually I think the church needs to be clear and it needs to take a stand yeah. in, in those things in order to equip Christians yeah I mean, what we're yeah. saying is a lot of people aren't ever going to come to church we need to be realistic about the fact that most people don't go to church yeah. so it's really important to equip Christians in their faith so they can live their faith outside of the church building mm. Yeah, and then like seeing church as more than just a building, right? Bringing church into their corporate settings. Yeah. So, yeah, so equipping. Having like clear and specific teaching and preaching so that people do know where they stand. Or, you know, sometimes I think um, where the mismatch with church and outside of church can be is uh, nobody really likes to be told what to do. And I think perhaps 50 years ago, maybe sermons could be a bit more like that. Mm-hmm. 
I think now we're so used to things like TED Talks or TikTok yeah. videos. Yeah, 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 we yeah. need it to be a bit more conversational. Yeah. But, but we do, We want content. I think yeah. people are hungry for content. So uh, to not be afraid of that content either, I think that really does uh, set a standard. And and that, that standard is going to be different from what is being told in, in the world. There is going to be uh, a difference in how God perceives people compared to how people perceive themselves. Yeah. So we, we do need to be clear about where that difference is. 100% well look to all you church leaders out there you you, you hear it her first um I think equi- equipment bringing it back to basics are so so crucial so important and keeping this conversation going not being scared to talk about it um continuing just to speak your truth all right well look Rosemary thank you for coming on thanks for Hope you had a good time. Is, is this your first time. ever podcast uh yes yes wow. it is yeah look at that <laughs> thank you you did a great job and um, yeah, it's been your boy Izzy. Tune back again uh, for the next episodes. Uh, but for now, see you guys later. Bye.